Returning to sports in the era of COVID-19. That's the subject for this segment. And I've got a, a couple of uh, experts to join me. Dr. Nidhi Kumar, uh, she's the Director of Women's Cardiac Health at the St. Peter's University. That's in uh, New Brunswick, New Jersey. And Dr. Henry Riddell is the Chief of Infectious Disease, also at St. Peter's. And uh, Dr. Kumar, uh, you first, and, and I want to read uh, a couple of things from some recent articles. First, uh, opening paragraph of a recent story written by Ross Dellinger for Sports Illustrated. This was a, a couple of weeks ago. Of all the hurdles impeding a 2020 college football season, there was one roadblock that has gone mostly overshadowed, buried beneath the other more prominent obstacles, such as testing, travel, and bubbleless college campuses and quarantine requirements. That hurdle, the heart. And then more recently in the Bridgewater Courier News, a headline in the story from Greg Tafaro about high school sports, it's COVID-19 posing serious risks of potential cardiac injury to athletes. And this word myocardial uh, is uh, something that's emerged in the daily lexicon, mostly uh, for those in the medical field, but we've seen it written uh, Dr. Kumar, welcome. Uh, I wonder if you could define uh, myocarditis, if I, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, and uh, what your concerns are with a heart and COVID-19 in young athletes. All right. Well, Glenn, good to see you, um, or rather hear you. I see you and I hear you right now. But um, there, unfortunately, is no question that COVID-19 infection is a disease process that involves the heart. Uh, you know, in the spring, we saw, had a lot, unfortunately, had a lot of experience with COVID-19 patients in this area. And the observation was that nearly 20% of them had cardiac involvement. So we know that this is a process that affects the heart. Um, the word that you brought up, myocarditis, myocarditis essentially is inflammation of the heart muscle. And what that means clinically is that if your heart muscle is inflamed, it can cause your heart muscle to weaken. It can set you up for experiencing arrhythmias, which are abnormal heart rhythms. And then most concerning, there is the potential risk for an increase in sudden cardiac death um, in patients that are experiencing myocarditis. So it's, it's a real concern. It's something that we need to talk about. We need to start a dialogue, I believe, between coaches, between players, and between healthcare professionals, because there's no question that athletics is integral to our society. We need to get these kids back out there playing, but we want to do it in the safest, most responsible manner. Well, that's the balance for sure. Can you compare it to other viruses like an influenza? You talked about 20%. What are the percentages of others, you know, in terms of how they impact the heart? Well, so... The data that I've read, and I'm sure Dr. Rydell would also want to weigh in on this, but for most non-COVID-related viruses, and you're looking at hospital admissions for those patients, you see about a 1% incidence of cardiac involvement. So, and uh, Dr. Rydell, I don't know if, you're, if you agree with those numbers. That's generally the teaching. That's generally the observations that I've seen. Yeah, so uh, myocarditis, which uh, again uh, is inflammation of the heart muscle, uh, in the heart is like uh, other muscles in that it can get inflamed. And a lot of people have muscle aches when they're having certain viral illnesses. Um, 
Myocarditis can be a result of a number of viral illnesses, including uh, Coxsackie virus, which uh, people uh, get, uh, kids get it frequently, but uh, myocarditis is generally a rare complication. Influenza also can cause, or the, 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 the regular seasonal flu can cause myocarditis as well, um, as well as another, uh, a lot of other organisms, uh, but it is generally a rarer complication. Since we've seen so much of COVID-19 uh, and so many millions of people have already experienced it, some of these rarer complications we hear a, a bit more about. Uh, so, and you know, it may be a little more prevalent with COVID-19 than it is with some of these other uh, viral illnesses. So well, one, one, be mindful of it. Yeah, one thing I wanna ask uh, Dr. Riddell is, uh, and I've heard this and I'm, I'm just, wondering uh, of the truth of it and and you you both can chime in here but is this something that uh the young people they they uh they get the covid-19 is it something that will uh, live with them for a long period of time uh, for life is is that, i've heard uh, i've heard it a couple of different ways do you want to take this one dr kumar or kill me um well i mean i think my my first inclination is to say we really don't have the long-term data on that. I think it's hard to answer that question because our experience with COVID-19 has been about six months. So I'm not, I'm honestly not sure exactly how to answer the question. Um, will there be long-lasting effects? I, I don't know, Henry. Yeah, I mean, I can speak in terms of other myocarditis. I haven't seen many patients uh, develop long-term complications from COVID-19 myocarditis, but there's other myocarditis, uh, myocarditis that uh, have caused patients to require getting a heart transplant. Um, and so, you know, it can lead to long-term complications, uh, you know, depending on the severity. Uh, there's other things, you know, not just the, the myocarditis, but uh, the lung function that we're seeing uh, it can cause uh, pulmonary, you know, chronic pulmonary complications that, um, you know, patients are requiring being on ventilators for a long time. We're seeing this uh, in uh, older patients more frequently than younger, but, you know, we're seeing it in younger patients too. And, and we don't know the long-term effects at this point, but there are some extreme cases where people are likely going to have long-term effects. I don't think it's the majority of cases. It's certainly a minority of cases, but you know, it's not it's not without potential long-term effects. Dr. Kumar, what what are the the safeguards uh, especially when we look at the cardiac side of things? You know, we're as coaches, players, parents. Yeah, I think um, well first off, I think one of the challenges are that young people are often asymptomatic with this disease. So they find out that they have COVID-19 because they were at a party and someone had COVID and informed them, they were contact traced, now they've been tested. But they feel great, they're asymptomatic, and their inclination, we see this in a lot of athletes, is to go out and take a run, take a jog, because they feel fine. And I think it's really important to get the message out there that they should absolutely not be doing that. So for young, young people or anybody really who has asymptomatic uh, COVID-19 infection, we want to raise this awareness um, in the public that it's very important 
to rest during that period of time. Um, and the recommendations right now are no exercise for two weeks after your positive test results and to really watch yourself for the development of any cardiac symptoms. Are you experiencing chest pain? Are you experiencing shortness of breath, palpitations, dizziness, feeling faint? And if you are, then you know that needs to be considered. Uh, you need to work with your healthcare to provider to figure out exactly how to return back to exercise. And after your two weeks are up, you don't really hit the ground running. We want kids to come back on a gradual basis. And it's, it's hard to enforce that with young athletes who feel totally fine and their only experience with COVID is a positive test result. Um, then for those athletes that have had mild symptoms as well, you know, when, when you take um, athletes with mild symptoms, sometimes they say, well, they've only had three or four days of, you know, felt like a cold or I felt tired. Well, you still, the recommendation is for those athletes to rest for two weeks without exercise after their symptoms resolve. So it's a hard population to get to sit still on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, and for some of the athletes with symptoms, they will require cardiac testing, an EKG or an echocardiogram before returning to sports. Uh, that's Dr. Nidhi Kumar, Director of Women's Cardiac Health at St. Peter's uh, uh, University Hospital with uh, Dr. Henry Riddell, who's the Chief of Infectious Disease at St. Peter's. And Dr. Riddell, I, I, I want to uh, maybe take you back five or six months. And then as this thing progressed, here you are in, in the heart of the pandemic in central New Jersey. Uh, we got hit very, very hard. Uh, what's that been like? And if you could tell us as specifically as possible, how do you feel it's going right now? Um, I mean, thanks for asking, Glenn. It, it was it was really something else. Uh, but to see everybody come together to, uh, in in the hospital setting to take care of patients, put them themselves on the line, and and, and work selflessly uh, for a common goal of, of getting people better, uh, it really uh, was something to see. Uh, the spirit in the hospital, you know, there's ups and downs, and there were a lot of downs. But uh, you know, to see everybody coming together and working together. We, at, at St. Peter's, we had organized teams of, of physicians and pharmacists, and, uh, and uh, we worked together. We had uh, an, an internist, so a, a kind of general doctor, a pulmonary specialist, and, uh, and an infectious disease specialist. We had a teaching, the, the, our, our residents were, were involved. We had a pharmacist involved in each case. We went through uh, every single patient, got multidisciplinary care that was organized. Uh, and you know, we were trying to do the best thing from what we knew what was going on at the time. Uh, and you know, you know, we were taking care of many, many patients. And uh, I think that model really, uh, with the collaboration and getting everyone's kind of expert view because this was a new disease, uh, really uh, helped, um, and each week we learned new, new, new uh, ways to take care of people, and we implemented them. And I think that that really helped a lot of people in the end. Uh, you know, and now, now things are are calmer. I think uh, Central and, and Central Jersey and New Jersey in general is doing a, a very good job of of slowing the spread. Um, 
you know, at the peak, we were having about uh, 40 cases per 100,000. Now we're down to about five, three to five. So um, I think, you know, New Jersey's doing a very good job. People are, are masking and social distancing and, um, you know, doing what the, what, what's been recommended by public health officials. So I think, you know, we're, we're in a better spot than many other states. Uh, but I think we suffered the brunt of it at the beginning uh, much harder than other states. And now it's the effort to return to at least a somewhat normal activity. We look at the athletic side of things, a return to competition. I want to ask you both, uh, youth soccer, if you look at it across the country, uh, the, the scheduling is starting in various ways. And one of the things you see happening is uh, athletes and families actually traveling across states because one state is permitting competition while another is not. I wonder in general, Dr. Kumar, uh, how you, you feel about that. And, uh, and then here uh, in New Jersey, this return to competition, uh, how do you think that's going? Um, I think in terms of travel, travel, it's a tricky question. You really have to look at where you're traveling to, where you're coming from, and what the, what's happening in the community that you are going into. Obviously, if you are coming from a hotspot area, it would be irresponsible to travel because then you don't want to bring something new into a community that's relatively quiet with COVID cases and vice versa. You don't want to travel and then bring something back. So travel is very tricky and I don't think there's a blanket type of answer. There isn't a one size fits all with that. We really just have to look, you know, almost really make a game time decision the week of, what does it look like in that state? Is it safe? Um, that the tradition of traveling together as a group, going in a bus with the whole team uh, to go to a game, I don't think that's a, a good idea at all. I think travel needs to be uh, you know, more individualized. So you're traveling with you know, your chaperone, your one family member. So I think that there's a way that we can make it happen, but it needs to be done in the most responsible well-informed way, taking as many precautions as possible. And Dr. Riddell, you, you have some youth soccer associations. Eastern New York is the most recent, uh, Eastern Pennsylvania earlier, who are uh, making the move to govern, govern, uh, govern, government officials and trying to get them to overturn you know, some of the protocols and mitigations and, and restrictions and suspensions because they think, uh, you know, and Dr. Kumar, uh, you, you mentioned it earlier, the mental health of, uh, of, of the students and the athletes. So that's where that balance is. But, but what do you think about uh, youth associations approaching the government? You know, I think it's, it's a tough call. We, we certainly want the, the best for the youth. And, you know, the issue is the more people you bring together, the more chance you have of one of them having the virus and spreading it. So, um, you know, in, in smaller, you know, in smaller, more local competitions, you know, these are maybe things that might not be as risky, uh, whereas these intrastate uh, traveling large competitions with a lot, a lot of people associating is going to be a higher risk situation. So, you know, if it's, you know, a small, I think, Approaching, approaching public, uh, to me, approaching public health officials with that as, as a, 
as a stated goal, you know, maybe a little bit uh, premature. Uh, you know, soccer is outdoors at this time of year, I think, you know, so that makes it a little less uh, risky than, than uh, you know, let's say an indoor soccer and things like that. But, uh, you know, there's still pretty close contacts uh, on the field. So we have to be concerned and, you know, we want to do the, the, the best thing so that we can have these athletes competing for, for a long time going forward. And right now that may mean a bit of a pause. And it's really about minimizing. So uh, there is contact and competition here in New Jersey, uh, yet there is still social distancing, wear your mask to and from the field. Uh, If there are spectators, sometimes only one parent is allowed and they have to be socially distanced. So there is contact, Dr. Kumar, but uh, it's, it's limiting it where you can. And so I guess that's part of the balance. I think that's part of the balance. I think another thing... Um, that's important is establishing a code of conduct within your institution, within your club, within your team, and emphasizing that, look, if you want to do this, if you want to be part of the team, you're going to need to eliminate high-risk behaviors when you're not with your team and you're not on the field. Um, So avoiding large parties where uh, people are not able to socially distance and if you can't avoid going let's say to a large party on the weekends um, because let's say it's your grandmother's hundredth birthday and everybody's flying in for that party well then maybe not participating with your team for the next couple weeks to make sure you are not bringing something into your team so I think establishing a code of conduct and having strong leadership to you know protect the tribe, essentially, because that's what it is, um, I think that would go a long way. And I think that institutions are going to need to do that if they, if they want to play. Well, you, you talk about parties. That's one word you use. And that, I think, takes us to college sports. And earlier, uh, we said you can't put a bubble around a campus. And uh, Alabama is the most recent example. Over 500 on campus have uh, tested positive. That story came out on Tuesday. This airing on Wednesday, uh, Ohio State may potentially suspend over 200 students for failing to adhere to on-campus protocol. So from a, from a standpoint of uh, college campuses, 18, 19, 20-year-olds, uh, part of the reason they want to be on campus is to socialize. Uh, Dr. Riddell, is it, is it realistic that these kind of outbreaks uh, where, where attendance on campus is permitted aren't going to continue throughout the, uh, the remainder of the year? Uh, they will continue. And, and kids in that age, that, you know, that age range are going to socialize. It, it's a matter of, of risk reduction and teaching them and having the gatherings be smaller. You know, the less number of people you have in the gathering, the less likely they are to transmit the virus. The less amount of time that they're unmasked, uh, the less amount of virus they're going to transmit. So I don't think you're ever going to get uh, teenagers and 20-somethings to stop socializing. Um, That's part of what happens in that uh, age. Uh, But you want to do things where it's in a safe, safer or less risky for transmission of of the coronavirus. Uh, So I think, you know, uh, mitigating the risk and and trying to reduce the, the chance of spread uh, in those settings, in the college setting, in these party settings, uh, certainly uh, 
would be the only successful strategy because outright banning them is just going to make them go underground more and they'll still continue. Uh, that's just my personal opinion, but uh, I, I don't think it's... Uh, no, I don't think you're on an island with that opinion uh, at all. And, you know, I just think of, uh, well, the, the AAC just uh, announced on Tuesday also that uh, both soccer and volleyball will be suspended until the spring if they can, uh, if they can figure that out. And we know now Division One, Two, II, and Three have all uh, postponed or suspended their championships uh, to the spring. College football still trying to figure that out in, in certain conferences. I wonder what you think. Uh, uh, about that because that also includes soccer you take the uh, ACC for instance so I have friends coaching teams in the ACC they're still training they're still thinking about playing games Dr. Kumar um I think it's okay to plan but you should also be prepared to change your plans <laughs> and, you know because I, we've kids have only just started going back to school and you know as Henry said we are uh, seeing lots of clusters of uh, outbreaks going on. So, again, if you could somehow... Can you, uh, what's a cluster? Define a cluster, if you would. I've read that a few times, and I, I'm not exactly sure what it is. Well, I mean, essentially, it's a, a small outbreak where you can... I mean, Henry, I think you could probably speak of this more eloquently than I would, but really, it's a, a little pocket of infection in a localized area. And so we're seeing that as a result of colleges going back to school and kids returning back to campus. Now, my hope is that college sports can go on because I think that this is, I think they're very much um, part of the fabric of our society and our culture. But then we really need to inspire these kids to take more responsibility for their health. We have to inspire these kids to take the precautions needed not to get sick, not to get infected, and not to bring it back to the rest of the team and sort of ruin it for everybody. Because um, there's only so much you can do by putting forth guidelines and rules. You know, at the end of the day, it has to come from you. And I think that um, young Young people, they absolutely need to socialize, um, but we have to talk to them about what is essential. And I would think that if you're a collegiate level athlete that has probably devoted most of your young life to your sport, to you know, excelling at your sport, then that is something that's essential to you. So you need to take the actions um, to protect your sport and to protect your team. And I think if we could do that, which is not a small order. That's not the easiest thing to do. But if we can do that, if we can really inspire that within kids, then absolutely sports can go on. And with the college and perhaps high school sports being shut down, you have youth soccer, which is allowing competition, at least within the state. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at New Jersey, and there are some plans or tentative plans to provide provide uh, training and, and practices in, in, in the sport of soccer anyway uh, in the fall to replace that. So, well, this is uh, really valuable stuff. And I think we go back to how we started this all. And I, I think you both might agree, uh, you know, you observe things, you read things, you see things. I don't know if you're on social media, but uh, Dr. Riddell, 
people may think you're overstating this. You know, we need to get out. You know, you hear that all the time. We got to get out. You know, we're going to a restaurant. We're going to the game. You know, whatever it might be. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's it's a severe disease um, in a number of people. Most people who do get the disease have a, have a less, like, aren't necessarily hospitalized. But, you know, I've seen, you know, 20-something-year-old healthy healthy people, you know, in the hospital requiring breathing treatments for weeks. And when you see that, um, it gives you a, a bit of pause. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, you have people out there spreading, uh, you know, uh, information that, that's not necessarily accurate, uh, that, that it's, it's a mild disease. And, you know, it, it is a mild disease in a number of people, but we do see severe cases in young, healthy people. Uh, and that should give us a, a bit, uh, a bit of pause when we're, uh, you know, going out and not practicing what public health officials are recommending. But I think in New Jersey, I think people are 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 heeding the warnings. We're seeing the numbers steady for the last two months, uh, being at a very a low level of transmission. Uh, I'd like to see it lower, um, but um, you know, uh, it, 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 this is where we're at right now. We got to keep up what we're doing. We can't, we can't, uh, we can't rest on our laurels. And Dr. Kumar, I'll give you the last word. Uh, how we started this with the concern of the heart. And again, I, I suggested, well, maybe because the percentages are so low and it's unlikely to happen, but the, you know, people might be a, a little less focused on this, but uh, you know, to close this out, uh, maybe you could reiterate uh, you know, the importance of it and, and what we can do. Well, I think, you know, even with, we, like we spoke about, a lot of young people are asymptomatic. Um, so, and so you may not even know that they are infected. And for those that, you know, do recover from infection, we can do the most extensive cardiac testing and never be able to completely rule out that there was some level of cardiac damage. So it's never been more important for youth sports organizations to have the infrastructure in place to be able to respond if there was an emergency. Coaches should be trained in CPR. There should be AEDs available. And most importantly, we just need to continue the dialogue, you know, between the coaches, between the players, the parents and the healthcare providers, so we can be vigilant and um, not raise alarm, but raise awareness and therefore, you know, prevent any bad outcomes. Dr. Nidhi Kumar, Director of Women's Cardiac Health at St. Peter's University Hospital, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Dr. Henry Riddell, Chief of Infectious Disease at St. Peter's. Thanks to you both. Uh, I did uh, golf with a couple of guys from Pfizer the other day. They say they're going to have a vaccine by November. So hopefully that's the case <laughs> uh, okay. as, uh, as Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson go uh, into the vaccine battle uh, uh, along with a number of other co uh, companies. But uh, thank you so much for sharing uh, the information. It's really important and uh, I wish you all the best. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, looking forward to a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too.